You're listening to The Jill Monica Show, episode number four. Welcome to The Jill Monica Show. I'm your host, Jill. Each week, I hope to bring you a message that inspires, encourages, or challenges you to go after and live a life you love. Join me and my friends as we explore what it means to love God, love ourselves, and love others. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Here we go. On today's episode, you are going to love hearing from John Jorgensen. He is an author, speaker, and spoken word poet whose YouTube videos have been viewed by more than 15 million people. You may be familiar with his video, Who You Are, A Message to All Women. It's been viewed more than 6 million times. In that video, he spoke right to identity in women, and as you can see, it resonated with a lot of people. John also partners with numerous organizations, including Awana International, Moody Bible Institute, and the Willow Creek Association, and hundreds of other churches, colleges, and conferences all over the globe. His spoken word poetry provides a dynamic and creative experience that captures the imagination of audiences everywhere. John hopes to provide a fresh, unique voice to some of life's most difficult and challenging questions, and I think he does. John and I initially connected when I was looking for writers for the online magazine I published for singles, Single Matters. At that time, I was living in Texas, and he was in New York City. We found out we were both born and raised in the Chicago suburbs, and both were professional musical theater actors. He was in Mamma Mia on Broadway. Well, shortly after that, he got married to the wonderful Erin, or as he calls her on his YouTube videos, Sweet Bear. And, well, we lost touch. Then one day, I was scrolling through Instagram, and I see pictures of the Chicago skyline on his profile. And we both just so happened to be back in Chicagoland. So I invited him to join me in the studio today to share his journey of trusting God. In this episode, we will chat about how John went from Broadway star to YouTube sensation. I'm pretty sure he wouldn't even like me calling him that, but you'll hear him talk candidly about his struggle to make that leap of faith, but how in just 18 months, God exceeded his expectations. We'll expose the truth about being vulnerable online and how haters are going to hate and how John handles it. Now, before we get started with John, I want to share an opportunity with you. If you are single and in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, I want to invite you to join me in Grapevine on August 6th. I'll be offering my course from Looking to Loving, Find the Breakthrough You Need So You Can Have That Relationship You Want, and I'm going to teach it live. Now, I don't know if I'll ever do it again since it's usually an online program. So if you want to find out the things that are keeping you from having the relationship you want, be sure to sign up soon because space is limited. Stay tuned to the end where I'll give you all the information you need to join me. Okay, so let's get started with my guest, John. Hey, John, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am so glad that you're here. You know, it's it's really fun that you can come into the studio because a lot of times we do these things by phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when you asked me to come on, I was just saying before we started, like, I figured I'm only, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes away. Let's let's make it happen. So I'm, I'm yeah. glad to be here in person in your presence. <laughs> oh, well, I feel this. Although we're separated by a piece of glass. Yes, but, you know, aren't we all... <laughs> It's a metaphor. <laughs> That's right. That's so funny. Well, you know, one of the things I I love about the fact that you're here in Chicago and I'm here in Chicago is that really when we met, you're in New York, I was in Dallas, and God has done some similar things with you and I as far as 
asking us to trust him and go with what some people might call their gut feeling. Um, what you and I would probably refer to as the Holy Spirit, giving mm-hmm. us an idea for something he wanted us to do. And I really want people to hear your story of uh, what God has done with you, but I also just want them to get to know you because you are on YouTube. And a lot of times people can think they know us by what we portray publicly, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh a lot of that's true about us. Hopefully, we're being authentic. Right. But there's a lot more. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm looking forward to, for people to knowing that kind of thing about you today. So, tell us, uh, and the people that are listening, I know a little bit about this. You grew up here in Chicago, as did I. And then you uh, and I both did musical theater professionally. And yes. you ended up in New York on Broadway. So, tell us about that journey. Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up, like you said, in Chicago, but I... I am I'm a tall person for anyone who can't see me which is all of you cuz you're listening. Uh, I'm about I'm about 6'4, 210 pounds, and I was always that way basically. I came out of the womb at 11 pounds 11 ounces. Oh no joke. My mom still resents me to this day for it. Um so growing up because I was bigger than everyone else, I excelled at sports and that's mm. what I did from an early age I played 3 to 4 sports a year at a very competitive level. But my mom, she had this obsession with me being a well-rounded kid. And so she basically forced me to audition for my first musical when I was nine. Mm. And lo and behold, this, you know, very outgoing, boisterous kid who loved movies loved being on stage. And so for most of my adolescence, I secretly loved theater while playing sports as well. And I was terrified that my football or baseball friends would find (laughs) out that I was in a musical. I was sort of like Troy Bolton before Troy Bolton was cool, (laughs) I suppose. And... The older I grew, though, I, I kind of hit this point in high school where I said, okay, well, what do I have a better chance of doing for a living? Playing baseball or playing basketball or going to be a professional actor? And that's really what it was at that point for me. It wasn't I felt called to the theater or I liked one more than the other. It was literally, what do I have a better chance of going pro at? Because I don't like doing anything else and I don't like school. Yeah. And I realized, well, there's a lot less guys in theater than there are girls. Guys have a much better chance just because there aren't as many, especially in musicals. And so I decided I'm going to go the theater route. So I quit all competitive sports, started doing as many shows as possible with as many different theater companies, going to camps, going to intensives. And I was lucky enough to get accepted into Carnegie Mellon University School of Drama, which is, yeah, it's one of the top programs in the country uh, for musical theater and acting. And so I, through going there, just the education I received there, so fantastic, so excellent. Got to work with some incredible people. And also they have a senior showcase. And their senior showcase is extremely well attended, both in New York City and in Los Angeles. Mm. And a lot of people look at it as, you know, when you perform in front of these agents and managers and, you know, casting directors, for a lot of people, it turns out to be almost a five-year head start. Yeah, because a normal, you know, like a normal person going to New York City, you know, who has maybe gone to like a what what some people would consider a mid level school, or maybe hasn't gone to school at all, they'll show up in New York without representation. And mm-hmm. what do you do? You go to cattle calls. You go to open calls at nine a.m. You pound the pavement, yeah. and maybe. F- a couple years later, you book your first show. Then you try and invite every agent in town to come and see you. And then you get like you have to hustle. Yeah. Whereas for me as a senior in college, I had two to three to four hundred industry professionals in the room to watch me right then and there. And it really probably caused you to be on top of your game. Oh, absolutely. Earlier. Absolutely. You had you had to be 
ready to go. You had to be a, mm-hmm. a product that they could see and say, I can put him in that show or in that TV show. And so right. off of that, I got an agent in New York um, and they're fantastic. I'm still with them to this day. Uh, and they started sending me out for auditions. And th- just three months after I graduated, I was lucky enough to be cast in Mamma Mia mm-hmm. uh, on Broadway as the role of Sky. And I played that role for nearly two years until it closed in September of 2015. So. Yeah. that And that's such a great show. Oh, so much so, fun. So fun. People ask me all the time because it's, for those of you who don't know the show, it's ABBA. It's all the music of ABBA. And right. so they say, you know, people say, do you ever get annoyed at the songs i was like surprisingly no because they're so good they are i can hear a few of them in my head right now absolutely me too trust me (laughs) i'm sure you can and so when you finish that show um where a lot of times people may not know but you're usually auditioning for other things knowing that this is coming to an end was that your experience absolutely yeah so i i had been auditioning for several (laughs) other things as we knew the show was coming to a close and I was getting at first for several, you know, other Broadway shows or national tours, I was getting into the late stages where I was nearly getting the roles or getting some offers. But right around the same time, I had really been struggling with just this feeling of emptiness, you know, sort of feeling in a rut. I wasn't feeling fulfilled, not only by my job as an actor anymore, but I wasn't feeling fulfilled in other areas of life either. You mm. know, my my friendships were had grown kind of stale and I wasn't investing in other people in my life as much. My my faith had grown kind of stale, you know, just having not gotten involved in church because with Mamma Mia, I was doing five show weekends, which meant Friday mm-hmm. night, two Saturday, two Sunday. So it was all I could do to just make it to the Sunday service. And then afterwards, I had to, I had to leave early most of the time so I could get to a call time. And so yeah. just so many areas of my life had grown stale. And so I was really struggling to, to sort of ask, well, what is really next for me? The obvious thing would be to go and do another Broadway show if that opportunity were to arise and it was looking like it was going to. But uh, I kind of hit this, I had this moment where I was uh, in my apartment in New Jersey. I lived in Jersey City right across the Hudson and I kind of just froze. Like I was mm. walking, literally I remember I was walking from my fridge over to the couch to watch some TV one morning and I just stopped and it was one of those moments where I knew that if I took another step, then I would have to keep living the life that I was living. Hmm. And just the thought of doing that was so unbearable that I was just like, I'm going to stay right here. Because hmm. as long as I stay here, I don't have to keep going like this. But also, I didn't have the courage yet to make the change that I knew I was supposed to make. And I had known I wanted to make it for a while, but... uh my wife walked. My wife walked in. Uh, she was my girl. She was my fiance at the time, and she, immediately she was like, "What is wrong with you? <laughs> what is wrong with you?" Because I was literally just standing there looking at the floor. I didn't say a word, and it was it was somewhat of an awkward morning for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and I kind of love the part of your love story with her. You guys met when you were young. Yeah, we grew up together. Actually, we we met doing theater, and and people always ask us like, "When did you meet?" But when you're when you're in third grade or fifth grade, like you don't meet people. Yeah, you, you just, never you never meet the people you go to school with. You just know them, right? You know, so we always right. just knew each other. And had you started making any of those videos at this point? Yeah. So I, the summer after I graduated college, so right before I moved to New York City, right before I booked Mamma Mia, I decided to make a couple videos with my friends, where I shared 
what I now know are spoken word poems, essentially. One was called Who You Are, A Message to All Women. Other was called Who You Are, A Message to All Men. And the only reason I made these, it was I had no intention of starting a YouTube channel. I didn't even really know what that was at the time. But I had worked at this summer camp for years as a counselor. And part of my job at this Christian theater summer camp was to teach devotions and to lead students in devotions. And the first time I found that out, I was terrified Mm -hmm. because I was the guy who got on stage and said other people's words. I was an actor. I put on a costume and I acted like I was somebody else. That's what I felt comfortable with. But now I was being asked to use my own words and these words had to be about God and they were supposed to (laughs) bring people into his presence and encourage them. And the pressure was insane for me. Oh, I can totally relate to that. When I went into ministry and uh, I had to get on the platform and give announcements at this one church and lead in worship and give words in between songs, I thought, I got to make, I have to do this. And then the first time I was asked to speak at a conference, I was terrified. And people were like, how could you be scared? You're used to being on stage. And I was like, I have to come up with the script. Whole different (laughs) ballgame. Totally. Whole different ballgame. And so I'm asked to do this. And so I knew two things. One, I wanted to write down every word I was going to say, because Mm -hmm. even though I had memorized hundreds of lines before, I was not going to memorize this. And two, I wanted it to be as short as possible. (laughs) Nice. So I sat down one day and I just sort of started writing. I was, the topic was identity. Right. And so I just started writing and I ended up 15 minutes later, I'd written two pieces, who you are a message to all women, who you are a message to all men. And the words of those have not changed to this day after it just took Mm -hmm. 15 minutes, just sort of flowed out of, out of me. And then I shared them at the camp and the students responded to them. So I started to write more. I started to sort of grow some confidence in it. And students come up to me, they said, we didn't know you wrote spoken word poetry. And I said, me neither. What's that? Because <laughs> I had never heard of it. I'd never heard of that art form, but it turns out that I think my my love for classical theater and, and poetry and Shakespeare, my writing then came out with, not like Shakespeare, clearly, but, but yeah. with wordplay and rhyming and, you know, all of those things that I had grown mm-hmm. to love. And so... After I graduated college, I knew I was done working at that camp. So I got together with a few friends and I said, I would love to take some of the pieces that I've written for these campers and put them on the internet so that when they graduate and go to college or in the middle of a tough time in the school year, they can go and watch these pieces that had touched them over the summer. Mm -hmm. And we did. And that was the only intention. Share them with those campers. We're done. Yeah. Then the day I moved to New York City, I got an email from a pastor from a church in Florida and it said... Dear John, I'm not sure if I have the right email, but I wanted to let you know that your video about women has been shared on our Facebook page over 300,000 times. Whoa. And so I clicked the link, and sure enough, there it is. On huh. th- They had pulled it off of YouTube, put it on their Facebook page, and it had over a million views at that point. Oh, my goodness. And so, uh, you know, over the next three or four weeks, I got three or four other emails, same story. And then I had viral videos on my hands all of a sudden. Yeah. And right now, to this day, it's it's over 6 million, I think, yeah. the last time I yeah. looked. Yeah. You know, I think the message of identity and what you said um, to women when you did that one, and for anyone that isn't familiar with it, please go and look up John. I'll put the link uh, in the show notes. But you spoke directly to women about their beautiful and their valuable. And those are things, especially coming from a man, for a woman to hear that maybe didn't have a father figure or a bad example of one, or men had treated them, you know, other than how God would want them to be treated. You spoke to the heart of people, 
And the same thing with the man with the men video. Um, to speak identity is really what you did is you were God the Father speaking his love over his children. And I think so many people are desperate for it. And that's really, you did something just to serve the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And God said, oh, yeah, this is me and I'm going to spread it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so glad that, that you see it that way with... It really is the two pieces. They really are from the point of view of God. This is this is not who we are by our own power. This is not who we are because we are intrinsically so great. Yeah. But in God's eyes, this is how he sees us, even beyond yeah. our sin, even beyond our shame, even beyond our brokenness. Mm-hmm. This is how God sees us, and this is who he created us to be once we get all that other stuff out of the way. And that, that's that been a point of controversy, as any viral video always has. But the point of controversy is people say, oh, you're saying if we're so great or if we're so awesome, if we're so strong, what do we need God for? And oh, I'm like, no, wow. you're missing the whole point here. Yeah. This is how God sees us. You know, This yeah. is our identity in Christ, not by our own power, but this is our identity through Jesus. You know? Right. So I'm, I'm really glad that you... Uh, you see it that way. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't talk about that ahead of time. Yeah. So that's, I think it's, it's a key message for me and my heart is mm. identity and the, you know, the coaching that I do and the speaking that I do too. I think we're on similar pages with that. Mm. Um, so you had these videos that started getting, going viral and you're newly on Broadway <laughs> and then you get engaged. And so t- lead us up to the time where you're standing in the middle of the kitchen. Right. So. After those first couple of videos went viral, the friends that I made them with, they came up to me and they said, hey, sounds like we should maybe make some more. (laughs) I said, sure. So we made sort of a casual commitment to put up one video a week every Friday. And I had written a few more pieces. So I thought, okay, I have enough to get off, you know, maybe the next four or five months. And over the next year or so, as I began to work in Mamma Mia and I was really finding some success in this performing Broadway world, YouTube and that sort of project, it was totally just a passion project for me. It was a hobby that Mm -hmm. I did on the side. And with the viral video, people started emailing me and asking me to come and speak live at their church or at their school to perform the poem or to give a sermon or to share my testimony on how I came to write the poem. And so during my off days, I got one day off a week, you know, and I would travel Almost, you know, probably two of my four off days a month, I would hop on a plane and I would go and I travel and I would speak. And the more time went on, the more I did the show and the more I spent time in that theater world, I was feeling more and more empty doing that. Mm. But every time during an off day when I was supposed to be resting and I was getting Mm -hmm. up at 4 a.m. to get on a plane (laughs) and going and speaking and getting back the next day with getting three hours of sleep and having to go on that night, I felt so alive when I was doing that. Wow. Every time I was writing or creating a video during the day, I felt so alive every time I would post one and, you know, interact with people who are commenting on it. And so as I started to feel this sense of emptiness, I I realized that perhaps maybe God was calling me to make a change. And the more time passed and the more I felt alive doing that speaking, you know, YouTube ministry, and the less I felt alive doing the acting, I realized, oh, God really is calling me to make a change. Mm. And so I knew it in my heart. And at the time where I sort of had that frozen moment in my kitchen, I had known it for months. I had Mm. known what God wanted me to do, but I had been so afraid to do it. Because here I was, I... I was doing what I went to school for, which, you know, God knows in our society is a huge measure of success, apparently. 
Yeah. If you're doing what you went to school for, yeah. then then you're really. But if you're not, heaven forbid, you know. Right. And so here I was. I was doing what I went to school for. Paid a lot of money. My parents worked so hard to give me that education. I had found success in it very quickly. Mm-hmm. And all of my other friends still were working towards that success. And here I was, and I wanted to sort of throw all that away. And I had financial success. And mm-hmm. I wanted to throw all of that away right as I was about to get married mm-hmm. to go and try and do this YouTube speaking ministry that really doesn't have a blueprint for it. And I didn't go to school for. And so I avoided it for months. I straight up avoided what I knew God was calling me to do. And so when I reached this point in my kitchen, I'm struggling with this feeling of, I know what God wants me to do. I'm just too much of a coward to do it. Hmm. But I can't keep doing this other thing anymore. So I was just like, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay here. There is something to be said for not moving until we know God is saying move, right? Hmm. I think there's something so important about getting godly counsel and praying and not being so spontaneous that maybe we're not being wise. Absolutely. But one of the things I learned when I started my ministry and I took a leap of faith, I had great job, secure financially, all that same thing, and God called me to start ministry full-time under my own 501c3, mm. I had no backup plan. Like there, like you needed to provide for your new wife, mm-hmm. and I didn't have a husband to provide for my finances, and God was calling me to it. And I really struggled with that. Is this what you're calling me to, God? Because if he calls you to it, he'll provide for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's part of what you said was you just knew, and there's different ways to hear God. And sometimes that's that inner knowing, yeah. and it's the, I can't stop thinking about this, that you just really know it's God. Yeah. And I sat on that. I sat on that feeling for a long time. It's not like, oh, I'm getting tired of performing the same show every night. Yeah. It was beyond that. It was a deep feeling of emptiness that I struggled with for about six months. It was about mm-hmm. half a year. And so as I'm standing there frozen in my living room, eventually I just break down mm-hmm. in front of in front of Sweet Bear and and she, I'm like crying and I'm not a pretty crier. Like <laughs> some people, when they get emotional, they can kind of keep talking. For me, I, it's over. Aww. It's over. And I just like, my body starts shaking and and she was like, oh my gosh, what? And at this point, I still haven't told her any of this. It's right. just, I'm standing and then all of a sudden I start crying and she's imagining the worst, obviously. Right. And so she eventually sits me down and calms me down and I told her, I just told her, you know, exactly what I've told you, that I've been struggling with this feeling of loneliness I knew what God was calling me to do, and I was so ashamed because I was just too afraid to tell her, mm-hmm. too afraid to admit it to myself, and too afraid to do what God was calling me to. And she said the most simple thing that was also the most true thing. She said, John, it kind of sounds like we have to. Hmm. And that was it. Like, that was it. It was like, yeah, you're right. You know, because oh. it's not it's not like, do I want to or not? It's not, is it safe to or not? It was kind of sounds like we have to. Otherwise, not the calling's going to disappear, but otherwise, you'll keep living this life. And that's that's impossible right now. Right. So. And God gives us free will and choice. But one of the things he's been saying to me over the last few years is, what do you want? Mm. Like, deep inside of you, what do you want to do? There's so much favor on um, the way that he made us. Yeah. You know, if he made us a certain way and we ha- we're wired to like certain things, it might be that we're called to do that. Mm-hmm. Now, caveat, you might love to sing and be terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a little, <laughs> let's be clear. Or from a, like a very deep, dark level, you may love to like see people 
in pain. But that <laughs> right. doesn't mean God's calling you to like punch people in the face exactly. and become a murderer, you know? Right. Let's just be clear. Um, but <laughs> but sometimes the way that the things that we like are part of his plan. He mm-hmm. wired us for that um, for a reason. Yeah. So she totally supported you in this. Yeah. And so how did you make the transition? Well, we, uh, we dove in pretty hard actually <laughs> maybe a little too hard so the first thing the thing that was really on my heart was i had been making these videos for a couple of years and but that was all the interaction i had had with with the fans or or with the community that i was i found myself leading and i'm sure you felt this as as well as you travel around and speak one of the best things about speaking is right as right when you're done or as it's happening you can see the impact that you're yeah. making you can yeah. see the difference. You can shake the hands of the people who who you're having hopefully a positive influence on. And that's something I didn't get online. Oh, and I yeah. knew I wanted to. So I had this crazy idea to do a US tour. Okay. And so I put this program together, which was essentially sort of a best of my spoken word poetry at the time. And we went on tour. We did a Kickstarter. And my wife and I, we drove to 17 cities over the course of 30 days, 11,000 miles, three months after we got married. Oh my gosh. Scholars would refer to it as nuptial suicide. It was <laughs> it was a wild time, um, but it was, it was in a way, it was a great way to, to go full throttle on it right away. Um, and then once we got back, we, we, you know, we discerned like, okay, now we're gonna move home to Chicago and, you know, She's going to look for a new job. I'm going to sort of figure out what I have to do to pay the bills. Mm -hmm. And then what I do all those other times is how I support and build this ministry and make connections with local churches and all of those things. And that's been a journey of about 18 months now, the last year and a half. Um, And I have have continually watched as God Mm -hmm. has provided so many incredible opportunities. And even more importantly... I have watched as God has been with me and been there in times where the opportunities weren't showing up Mm. and when it wasn't easy. Because I don't mean to say like God called me and then it's been nothing but up and to the right ever since. Right. There's been difficult months. There's been times where I question it. Um, But lately, I think what I've been learning a lot is God's been putting just that that virtue of patience on my heart a lot. Mm. You know, that fruit of patience that... If God really has called you to something, that means it's going to be pretty God-sized. I mean, yeah. It's going to be a big thing. It's going to be bigger than you can do be, yourself. Yes. It's going to be bigger than you can do yourself, and it's also going to take longer than you think it's going to take. Yes. You know? Just because God, you know, just because God calls you to do something, just because God calls you to the promised land doesn't mean it's not going to take 40 years to get there. Right. And there's something that God wants to teach you along the way. And so I find myself wandering in the wilderness right now, freed from the slavery that I've left in my Egypt, but still wandering, figuring it out daily, just where's the manna, you know, that yeah. sort of, it's that sort of thing right now. Yeah. So in the in the journey, in the transition wilderness that you're in right now, it's interesting because people will see your YouTube videos and how many you know, how much is getting shared and liked and downloads or whatever. They're seeing all of that and they have a perception of who you are, um, but they're not seeing the wilderness, of course. So what is the biggest thing that is challenging you in your faith right now and going through this? You know, I think I'm learning. What's really helping me is knowing that I, I am a person 
who right now I have a following. I'm like a micro, micro, micro Z-list celebrity on the internet, <laughs> which just means that the majority of people who follow me online don't know me personally. Right. You know? And what I'm learning from that is I have, we all have people that we follow, especially right. nowadays. You yeah. know, we have, you know, it might be a vlogger or a fashion blogger or this person or that person. And I think about the people I follow and I'm like, man, their lives look awesome. Like they got it together. They're yeah. crushing it. They're killing it all the time. But then when I take a step back, I'm like, wait a second. That is how some people look at me. Right. That's how some people look at my life. And I realize I don't have it together. Yeah. I'm a mess most days. <laughs> most days I don't shower. Like, you know, it, I'm lucky if I wear something somewhat presentable and accomplish one thing in a day. And when I realized that, I'm like, wait a second, those people that I'm looking at, mm -hmm. they don't have it together either. Yeah. You know, they're look, we're all looking at each other's highlight reels. Yeah. You know, and I think what I'm learning more to do is be okay with showing people behind the scenes from time to time. And also being okay if my behind the scenes doesn't look like someone else's highlight reel. Yeah. You did a video recently that I think spoke to that. I don't have the name of it yes. off the top of my head. Yes. So uh, a new poem that I recently wrote, it's called If Only You Knew. Yeah. And it and it unpacks this idea that this is this strange new world that we live in where ev really everyone is in their own way a micro celebrity because everyone has a brand that they're putting out online that that we're keeping up. And I'm not the person that's going to tell you that like social media is ruining the world. Social media is feeding my family. So like, yeah, I'm I'm all, I'm all down for that. But I think where we have to be careful is in putting other people on this pedestal. You know, we have to realize that we're we are all the same. Yeah. And those people who you are looking at as wow, they're perfect. Other people, someone else is looking at you in that exact same way. Right. You know. And so the video just sort of unpacks that, I guess. And and it's more it's more of a it's more of a rant and like a public confession than it is mm -hmm. a lesson for here's how we all can all live better. Right. It's more of let's become aware that we are all simultaneously these celebrities who are totally goals worthy and not that at all simultaneously yeah that's the world we live in now you know and i th i think when you and i talked earlier you said there's even been some bullying that you've gotten oh, from yeah. being online yeah absolutely and what's surprising is as a as the owner of a christian youtube channel people assume that most of the hateful or rude comments that I receive would be from non-believers or be from atheists or be from people who are against the church. But most of like the, the hate I receive or the trolling actually comes from other Christians who might just disagree with one or two word choices or with the Who You Are poem, they, they begin to take its original intention and, and distort it, or they don't yeah. really look at the heart behind the poem. And something that is a really hot issue for me right now that will really get me going is talking about the disunity in the church. Yeah. How instead of focusing on the 99% of things that we agree about, which are the important things, we would rather fight over minutia of whether Christians are allowed to swear or get tattoos rather than use the power of Jesus to help solve real problems in the world. Yeah. You know? And I think you have a series that you do on your YouTube channel, and it it's called Can a Christian 
Yes. Can a Christian blank? Can a Christian swear? Can a Christian drink alcohol? Can a Christian this? Can a Christian that? Yeah. And the the to be totally honest with you, that series serves two purposes. One, it helps get a lot of views. Yeah. And like, I'm being totally honest. Yeah. But that's not the only reason I do it. It helps get a lot of views because that's what people are searching. Right. You know, that's what people want to know, which is interesting, especially a lot of young people are like, well, I'm a Christian now. I just became a Christian at camp. We're wondering, like, what can I do and what can't I do? How far can I go without right. falling into that sin? Which is an interesting right. mentality. Yeah. But the second reason for it, and you'll notice if you watch through to the end of every single one of those videos, is there's a common theme that we discover that we're asking a question about tattoos, but it's a much bigger thing than that. Mm -hmm. You know, when God talks about you know, tattoos in the Bible, really what we're talking about is idolatry. You know, yeah. when we're talking about drinking alcohol, really what we're talking about is self-control or really what we're talking with swearing, what we're really talking about is the power of words. It's so right. much bigger than just a list of four-letter words that we're not allowed to say. Mm -hmm. and, and so overall, I think that we as Christians are so often looking for like a, I can do this, I can't do this which we have certain sections of scripture that tell us that. Right. And we should lean on those and we should absolutely obey those. But I think for the vast majority of things, especially that we're facing in our world today, God is, God's asking more of us. He's asking for us to take what we know of his word and then to use wisdom mm -hmm. and to follow his spirit's leading and to form our opinions or our beliefs based off of that. Because it really isn't so much behavior modification. No. That's not what Christianity is about. Exactly. It's about heart transformation. Yes. And if your heart's transformed, you're going to know what the line is. You can have a glass of wine mm -hmm. and you just don't get drunk. Yes. Um, you know, it says in scripture, you know, to have some wine to settle your stomach. I think, you know, Paul said that. And so there's really, if we get those heart issues, the behavior is going to follow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, and the thing is, the more we debate the minutiae, the more the world can continue to bolster their perception that Christianity is just behavioral modification. Right. The more they see us fighting over this and that and these behaviors, the more they can just continue to live in their stereotype of, well, Christians don't have any fun. Right. They're not allowed to do this list of things. Right. Instead of, wow, we don't have to do those things to have fun. Right. And there's and Jesus is fun. God is fun. Mm -hmm. Like he is a happy God. And I think that um, you know, we a lot of Christianity makes it so many rules that we end up back into what the Pharisees did, which was you know, dump a six hundred or whatever more laws on top. Mm -hmm. And uh and then we feel like I'm afraid to sin, not only because we're judged by other Christians and the church, um, but because we carry this false sense of guilt. You know, that is bondage that we we're never meant to, to carry. Absolutely. And if, if you're listening to this and this portion of the conversation is stirring your heart, go and read Isaiah 58 because it's, it's this. God is talking through the prophet Isaiah about, you know, oh, you fast for this reason or this reason mm -hmm. or you obey this law for this reason and this reason. But this is the fasting I require. Go out and do good works in yes. my name and for my glory. That's this conversation. Yeah. It's not a new conversation. You right. Know? It's an Isaiah 58. That's good. Thanks for that reference. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the other um, 
series that you have, you do the seven-minute sermon. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. Yeah, so a seven-minute sermon uh, essentially is exactly what it sounds like. I, I do different sermon series. Like recently, I did one on overwhelming obstacles, these these sort of roadblocks that we all hit at one point or another, fear, you know, depression, you know, all, all of doubt. And Within seven minutes, I do a short sermon of it, not not unpacking something for 35 minutes, which is totally possible, mm-hmm. and there's a place for that, and I do that as well. But I think in in our world today, oftentimes people, you know, we're looking we're looking for something that we can watch that's not going to take too much of our time, you know, because we're more and more and more in control of our own time, you know. Yeah. Uh, we have we literally have a clock on us or even if we don't have a watch 24 hours a day you know yeah. and so a 7 minute sermon i think it it provides a, a nice introduction and a couple nice main points of some of these big topics that we struggle with you know yeah. and then obviously there's there's more time to go in depth i view this i hope that people use the 7 minute sermons as you know they're going through a series in their youth group or something, and they can watch this short video and then discuss it. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, we've talked about so many serious subjects, really, <laughs> but you and Sweet Bear do some really, really fun videos together. Um, I really enjoy just getting to know her and her personality. Um, and you do this like, rhyming thing too i forgot to mention like oh yeah like give us a few examples of Uh, your intros like hey uh oh gosh this is this this, like i think about these like they don't just flow (laughs) okay sorry to put you on the spot (laughs) not not a problem not a problem like hey ballpoint pens and mercedes benz like stuff (laughs) like that like they have nothing to do with each other i think it's it started very organically at just the beginning of our vlogs Uh, i i would i would always find myself saying like uh, like, uh, hey, dudes and studs, or, you know, like words that weren't really words. Yeah. Um, but then it just like started to grow and become a life of its own. And then I wouldn't do it. And people would complain in the comments. <laughs> and then people started suggesting ones in the comments. And it's just become like a whole thing. Yeah. So, so fun. It is fun. Well, um, you and Sweet Bear have a puppy dog that you like to highlight in your videos, too. <laughs> What's your puppy dog's name? His name is Buckets. He is a mini Australian shepherd. Um, and we love him very much. Yeah. We do. So you're, you're, I love your channel. I want to encourage everyone to go check it out. Because really, if you want um, something serious, a seven-minute sermon or answer questions or um, poetry, but also humor. I, I just, you know, that's so much a part of who you are. Without, they can't see your face through the podcast, but <laughs> you have a way of making certain expressions that um, <laughs> makes you not such a serious pastor type. Well, I hope not. I hope <laughs> not. You know, I like to. I think. I think Sweeper brings that out of me, though. Yeah. You know, she. I, I am. I am perfectly content to sit here all day with you and talk about like the deep struggles of life and theological like i'm down but she she is not she's not that (laughs) she doesn't like to live on that level very often and so she kind of forces that out of me and she's the funniest person i know so it helps bring some levity to the situation and what does she do for a living she is a wedding planner oh nice did she plan your wedding she so that became part of the inspiration for her to get into it actually wow um because when we got married, we were still living in New York. And then when we moved back, she was changing careers as well. And she just got this unbelievable opportunity to intern and to assist with this company. And she's been working with them for a little over a year and 
just crushing the game. So for anyone listening in the Chicagoland area, mm-hmm. uh, you can contact Sweet Bear yes. to help you plan your biggest day. Um, so, what is going on right now? With um, I know you're doing talking to doing some conferences, and so I just want to hear about your future goals. Yeah. So right now. I'm st- I'm traveling around a lot, speaking at different conferences, churches, schools. I'm really looking really looking to book up my my schedule for the fall right now. I'm still making you know a bunch of YouTube videos, at least two every week. Um, but right now I'm gearing up for uh, my show, my new show in July. Actually, it's coming out uh, July 25th, um, and it just sort of tells a similar story to what we've been talking about. This story mm-hmm. of making the decision to follow what God was calling me to do. And uh, it's the it, I call it a one-man show, and the best way that I can describe it to people, because it's sort of a, a strange conglomeration of art forms, is it's basically a mix between a spoken word poetry concert, a sermon, and a stand-up comedy special. <laughs> so you smash all three of those into one hour, and, and that's, that's the show. And what are you calling it? It's called That Guy From That Video. Nice. Yes. That guy from that video. You know, sometimes you don't have to be very creative to be very creative. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> That's that that is who I've been to a lot of people that I've met on the street or in airports. They're like, You you were in that that thing, right? <laughs> that video where about the girl about the girls, about the women. Yeah. Yeah. That. If you could tell anyone that might wanna start a YouTube channel, might wanna have, you know, whether it's ministry related or not, what are some tips you could give a newbie? Uh, my my tips are always frustrating to people who ask me because my tip is literally to start it. What everyone wants is they want the advice of what camera I should get. They mm-hmm. want the advice of how many times a week should I post? What dimensions do my banner image have to be? All of that stuff most of the time is really just an excuse. Mm-hmm. We're like, well, I would, but I don't know what camera. I don't know how to edit. What editing software do I use? You can, all of those answers, I I have the perfect resource for you. It's called Google. You type it in, they'll give you the answers. But for me, what's difficult is not buying a camera. You have a camera on your cell phone. What's difficult is not figuring out how to edit. You can look all that up. What's difficult is discovering and finding the discipline to continually upload and continually, Mm. or or if it's a blog, continually write you know, finding that discipline to sit down and to do your work, whatever that creative outlet is for you, the the discipline to do it is the difficult part. Mm -hmm. And so my best advice to people is start now and only don't worry about quality, don't worry about quantity for three months. Only worry about the the content and finding the discipline to, to create it every single day and put it out. And once you've found that, then we can get it in the nitty gritty. But to someone who's just looking to start, just create stuff and share it and then do it again and do it again. Mm. By doing that, you will learn everything you need to know. That's good advice. And also, I I would just say, as I've started even this podcast, Um, what is, what's the big picture? Like, what's your goal? What do you want to accomplish? Because some people Mm want to be famous. And quite honestly, some people get famous, but yeah. that if that's your goal, you're going to be so disappointed mm-hmm. in the beginning because there's a lot more hard work. When we're watching everyone's highlight reels, we don't know all of the trials and the money and you know the time and you know, like you said, the effort yeah. that goes into that. Yeah, defining success, what success looks like for you 
in both the short term and the long term is super important. You have to know eventually where you're going and then focus on what do I need to do today? Right. And not be discouraged that that it takes you, like you said, the promised land, like doesn't happen by tomorrow. Yeah. Because hopefully it's something so big that it's worth that long journey, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because as much as people see that you're doing so well and doing these speaking at churches and great videos, you haven't reached probably what your goal is yet. No, not even close. Not even close. Do you want to tell us maybe <laughs> a little bit of what your goals are? Um, yeah, I think for me right right now, you know, it is to continue to be able to do more of what I'm doing. You know, mm-hmm. one one day, long term, long, long term, I hope to be perhaps running one of the biggest conferences in the world for for Christian young people, you know, whatever that looks like. Uh, I, and, you know, that's just something that is that has been stewing in my mind, to be honest, I haven't talked about it much. It's been stewing mm-hmm. in my mind for the last year or so mm-hmm. of, of starting sort of my own event. Um, but again, that's, that's like eventually long-term down the road. Right. And then right now, all I really focus on, I don't, I don't set a year goal for me. I don't set five year goals or 10 year. Like I, I have little benchmarks in my head of where I'd like to be, Mm -hmm. but really what I'm focusing on, what am I doing right now? What am I doing today? This podcast, you know, as this move, this is moving the needle forward for me towards that eventual goal, you know, um, focusing on today. I think that's good. I mean, God says, don't worry about tomorrow. Mm. Yeah. Let's, let's just do today yeah. and do today really well. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that I've learned um, and that I feel like God has shown me in, in my journey of being an entrepreneur really is what we're talking about, yeah, even absolutely. though it's ministry, is that he's not expecting us to do something that we don't have the resources for. He expects you to do something with the resources you have now. And if you're faithful with little, then he can trust you to be faithful with much. Absolutely. Um, but really, it, it, there is always a, a critical point, like in your journey in the kitchen, or my journey is a little bit different. Um, I was in the car at a park, and when the moment when you say, yes, God, mm-hmm. I will do this thing that I don't know how to do, I don't have the resources for, I don't even know if my friends and family will support me, but I'm saying yes to you, and I'm trusting you to get rid of what seems normal and ordinary and to go for something that is so extraordinary, I need you to do it, mm-hmm. but I will partner with you on that. Yeah. And I think it's important to not just sit around and wait for God to do something, but we use our resources to partner with Him. Yeah, and we say yes to God, by the way, both in our hearts, and then we we cement it with action. That's good. You know, I think there's probably a lot of people out there who are listening that are like, I know what I want to start. I know what ministry I want to start. I know what thing I want to start. And I've said yes to God, but you haven't done anything yet. Guess what? You haven't really said yes. That's true. You know, like Jonah said yes but then he spent all his time running away. His actions did not match that whatsoever. Right. You know, it's. I don't think it's really until we take that action. You know, the Bible says faith without works is dead. You right. know. So it's until we we begin to take that action in what we've said yes to. That's when we really begin to say yes to God and really begin to discover that path that He has us on. That's good. Well, John, how can people find you? Tell them all your social media and website stuff. Yeah, so uh, you can find me on YouTube if you just search John Jorgensen or just search who you are. Um, You will first get the Jesse J song and then you will get me. (laughs) Good Um, to know. We're almost there. We're going to (laughs) beat Jesse J someday. I'm, that's my prayer. That's my long term, long. That's long-term your biggest goal. goal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you can find me on YouTube there, John Jorgensen. Um, also on any of the socials—Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, any of that—at 
John Jorgensen. That's John J-O-N. Jorgensen, like son of Jorgen with a J. Great. And I will put those links as well in the show notes mm-hmm. so people can find you. Well, thank you so much for joining me here today. I, I really think people are going to get a lot out of hearing your story and your journey and taking risks for themselves and going after big God-sized dreams. Um, so thank you so much. Everyone, please check out John at johnjorgensen.com. All right, John, talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Jill. Sure. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Jill Monaco Show. You can find out more from John Jorgensen when you go to his website, johnjorgensen.com, or if you go to jillmonaco.com slash podcast. Just click on the show notes and find all the links that we mentioned today. Now, while you're there, leave me a comment and let me know your thoughts on this podcast. And so you don't miss an episode of The Jill Monaco Show. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can do that on iTunes or wherever you follow your podcasts. You know what? I would love for you to join me and find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can search for at Jill Monaco. Now, if you were inspired, encouraged, or challenged, which I can only imagine you were by this time with John, please share this podcast with your friends and on social media. You can tag me at Jill Monaco so I can continue the conversation with you over there. So at the beginning of this podcast, I promised you more information about the live event with me in Dallas. I am bringing my ministry team to pray with you as we process maybe some of that junk that's keeping us single. But hey, you may meet some other really cool singles too, so it's a great time to all come together. I usually teach this course online a few times a year and offer it at 297, but a few weeks ago, I had an idea, and I really felt prompted by the Lord to help as many singles as possible identify those four things that they need to know in order to find the right one. We'll cover things like intimacy with God, forgiveness, overcoming rejection, and fear. I know, I know, some of that stuff is really serious, but when I first designed the program last year, I felt like it came like a download from heaven. I was praying for my single coaching clients and felt like the Lord really wanted some people to be married. But sometimes we just attract the wrong person, we choose the wrong person, and we overlook the right person. See, we have these life patterns that keep us in the same cycle of prolonged singleness. Or past relationships have made us just really cautious. Now, this event is good for you if you've never been married or want to be married, or if you are totally fine being single, because hey, who doesn't need just a little help being who God created them to be? These coaching tools will help you have healthy relationships across the board. I have a guest speaker that will be sharing why we attract certain people and why we're attracted to certain people too. Now, the best part is it's just $47 for the entire day from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. live in Grapevine, Texas. Space is limited, so go to jillmonaco.com slash episode four and find the link to register in the show notes of this podcast. Or you can find it on my event page at jillmonaco.com slash events. Listen, I believe this will help you so much. In fact, several people who took the course already got married and engaged. Super fun. So join me. Okay, enough of that. Listen, my friends, I am so glad you tuned in today. Remember, love well. You were made for it. <laughs>